Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. Good evening, and uh, Facebook is live, and Jackie is here. Um, keep up the numbers. Well done, Jackie. Thank you. So, uh, well, oh, Dr. Greg Williams UK, flipping neck. Look at that for an Instagram title. Dr. Greg Williams UK says it all there. Don't need to know anything more. What's his name? Greg Williams. What does he do, doctor? Where's he based? UK. All there. Says it all. That is aspirational in terms of Instagram names. Well done, Dr. Greg Williams, UK. You have smashed it. Right. So um, I got some questions. So uh, I'm happy to be um, interrupted with your questions. But I'm going to crack on, if you don't mind, with this question right here, which says a little bit like this. How long after breath augmentation surgery can I stop wearing a bra? Um, right. Now, who's this question from? My master, my master list here. Who's this person? Is it someone I know? Mm, it's not on my master list. Okay, anyway. Um, okay, so I don't know if this is my patient or not. So full disclaimer now, if this is not my patient, I would do whatever your surgeon says. Okay, if your surgeon says something, then do that. Don't listen to me because I don't uh, know what you had done and stuff like that. My private journey. Um, but uh, in my practice, I say a month um, for the post-op bra, six weeks for a teardrop implant, because there's a bit more of a risk of rotation with a teardrop implant. But four to six weeks, you can start going to a normal bra. Um, in different times of year, so in the sun, very keen to get out of their post-op bra, because the post-op bras often got big straps and stuff up. So... Um, uh, so, so in the winter, people are less, uh, you know, a bit more wrapped up and don't mind post-op bra. And sometimes at a month, people say, well, I carry on wearing my post-op bra. I'm like, yeah, of course. Uh, and what I normally say is that a month, you can start to see how you feel without the bra. And uh, if it's uncomfortable, uh, and sort of go to a normal bra. If it's uncomfortable, then you go back to your, sport, your sports bra slash post-op bra. To be honest with you, post-op bra and a sports bra are sort of interchangeable, to be quite frank with you. And a lot of people wear sports bras as post-op bras. And I guess post-op bras as sports bras maybe as well. Um, but uh, yeah, so four to six weeks is the answer. Then see how you feel. If it hurts, if it swells, then back to the uh, post-op bra. And if it doesn't, then carry on, in my view. That is it. I've got, I've got loads of questions tonight, which is so much more different to last week. Last week, I was in a bit of trouble, although we had good interaction. Can you hear that noise, by the way? My computer's downloading, so it keeps on making noises. Um, anyway, and is there anyone on Facebook? Because there's loads of stuff going on on Instagram, but nothing going on, on Facebook. It's okay. I mean, I don't mind if there's no one there, but, you know, because I'm a professional and the show must go on, you know? Um, so, yeah, okay, fine, I'll carry on. What is a histology report? Um, a histology report I've got myself shaving. The histology report is a thing that we do when people have, um, well, whenever we're sending, oh God, whenever we're sending tissue away, well, I say that, we don't do it for a tummy tuck, um, but it's usually for things like mold cysts. Um, we send them away so that they can have a look at them under a microscope. So it's when we have a mole or what have you, um, or a cyst or a, or a, a, a lump. Um, that we don't know what it is. And the histology report is that we send it to a lab and they, they, they prepare it and they put all these chemicals in it to sort of um, set it. And then they embed it in wax and stuff and they cut it all up into little thin slices and they look at it under a microscope to say what it is, whether it's a sebaceous cyst or whether it's a lipoma or whether it's a benign mole or if it's got any cancerous aspects to it. That's, I mean, obviously we want to know what it is, but that's the main thing is, is there any sort of cancerous aspect to it? And has it been completely removed? Those are the sort of two things, certainly for skin lesions we're looking at. You know, is there any signs of cancer and, and has it been completely removed? So um, that's what a histology report is. 
And a lot of people will say, oh, I've got a mole, I've had it for years, and I don't want histology. Because histology is quite expensive. Um, I mean, it's about 100 and, between 100 and 150 pounds for a histology report, for just a tiny little mole. Um, so some places say, oh, I'll go get my mole removed for, you know, a couple of hundred pounds. I'm thinking, how about, well, they obviously don't send it for history, do they? Because it's, you know, uh, 150 for the histology. And then, you know, I mean, the bipolar forceps we use are 20 pounds. So, you know, the rest of the kit, anyway, um, don't worry about um, the costs. But anyway, um, so, so yeah, I was just looking at my phone then. Obviously, the phone's there, isn't it? So, um, so keep up the education. Thanks, Greg. Means a lot coming from you, Greg. Thank you. Um, so, um, yeah, so it's uh, so there's two reasons to it. One is to say whether it's uh, cancerous or not, which is obviously important. But the other reason to do it is particularly for moles, because a lot of people say, oh, I've had my moles for years and they look benign. They not, look like they're nothing to worry about. And so um, they say, look, I don't want to have histology uh, and I'll save, you know, hundreds of pounds. But one of the problems with moles is um, we do worry a little bit about melanoma. And sometimes clinically you can say to people, I don't think that's a melanoma. That just looks like a completely benign mole and nothing to worry about. The problem is if 5, 10, 20 years down the line, you present to your doctor with a lump in your neck or a lump in your armpit or in your groin, um, and it can, it's not common, to be fair, it is not common, but there is a thing which where you could have what's called a, a melanoma, a metastatic melanoma. So they can take the lump out of your neck and say, this is a spread of a cancer, spread of a melanoma, and they can't find the primary melanoma. They can't find the skin cancer. Um, the, the, it's, a, it's a secondary with an unknown origin. So they can't find a, a mole on you that's gone bad. And then if you say, well, I had a mole removed 20 years ago by some geezer in Birmingham, it'll be like, oh, well, was that benign? And then it's helpful if I've got a report, say, here you go, it was benign. Because if I haven't got that report and I say it looked fine, I'm liable then to be like, well, was that a melanoma? And I didn't send it for histology. And 20 years later, you've got a lump in your neck because it hasn't been treated properly. So there's two reasons, really, certainly for a mole for sending it for histology. One is so that we know whether it's cancerous or not. But secondly, it's just for that peace of mind so that we know that that skin lesion, if you if you do in the future, God forbid, have any problems, we know that wasn't the cause of it. Got to drag that out of it, didn't I? Celia, what you got to say, is that the same for all biopsy? Um, is what the same? Yeah. Uh, yeah. All biopsies, they send it off and they and they look at it under a microscope to say what it is. Yeah. Come back to me, Celia, if I'm, I don't know what you mean by it. Is that the same? But yeah, that's sort of what all biopsies do. Um, yeah, they do histology. Um, do I need to take sick leave after having local anaesthetic? Not necessarily. Um, you'll probably want the rest of the day off. And again, it depends what you're having done. So local anaesthetic, pure local anaesthetic, that means local anaesthetic, not local anaesthetic with sedation, which is a bit of a bigger procedure. But pure local anaesthetic is usually for things like moles and cysts. Um, and sort of minor procedures. So you, to be honest, you're usually pretty pretty okay to go back the next day. If you have anything on your face, you might have some stitches. If you have something like a blepharoplasties, you might be a bit battered and bruised. Then you might want to, um, you know, take more time off or sort of go to work wearing dark glasses, which might look a bit weird in this type of year. Uh, type, type of year. But um, yeah, no, you don't normally need much sick leave after a local anaesthetic, unless it's a big thing that's removed from your leg that's going to be under tension and you're a professional runner or something, then you might need some sick leave, you know, but most people wouldn't. So as long as it's not a big thing on your leg and you're a professional runner, then you might, but other people, yeah, you should probably be right. Can I request, here we go, um, can I request all glands? Now I think this question, am I right in saying, um, so gland removal, um, where not all surgeons attempt to remove the glands, would I be able to, to request full removal? Would this be possible? So um, this patient is talking about um, um, gynecomastia, male breast reduction. And they're asking if they can, they're saying some people don't remove all the glands, would it be possible? Um, we're always aiming to get a great result for people. And I think everyone's going to be aligned on that. And one of the bad things that you can do with most surgery, but certainly body recontouring and body shaping surgery, 
the, I guess, sort of broadly speaking, the two op the two bad things you can do is too much or too little, whatever body contouring you're doing, really. And if you do too much, you get a dent. If you do too little, you have a fullness that's still there. And that is true for gynecomastia. So we don't want to do too much and we don't want to do too little. Now, clearly, you're worried about having too little done and you're worried that there'll still be breast tissue there. So you want all of the breast tissue removed, which is completely understandable. And I think pretty much everybody with gynecomastia wants all the breast tissue removed. And we do aim to remove all of the, all of the breast tissue. I'm going to put a rider on that because you're saying some people don't remove full removal of the glands. I do leave a little bit behind the nipple because you want the nipple to be the most prominent thing on your chest. You don't want the nipple to sit in a dent. You don't want a crater. Um, and if you look at a female who's had a mastectomy, where you obviously are removing all of the gland because it's a mastectomy, it's a cancer operation, there's often it looks dished the chest it looks it the contour is 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 not a normal chest contour it's it's sort of flat there so if you do the equivalent of a mastectomy which is what you're asking for to have the whole move the whole gland removed the chest contour doesn't look good and so whilst everyone's worried about having too much there i would always leave a little bit behind the nipple because i want to leave a good natural chest contour because that's for the role i'm aiming for a natural chest contour i don't want a dent i don't want a dish so this is something we talk about at the clinic but in general terms i wouldn't do like a mastectomy like i would for a female or a male with breast cancer where you are literally removing the whole of the gland because that does tend to give you a dip, dip in your chest and an abnormal looking contour to your chest so I do, whilst I do remove all of the gynecomastia and all of the, the excess breast tissue that you've got there, I do leave a little bit behind the nipple because I, I don't want the nipple to sit in a dent, which is what can happen if you overdo it. What's going on here? Olivia, hello and good evening. Good evening, Olivia. Still in Turkey, lurky. I met a guy. I may never return to the UK. Okay, well, look at that. Uh, Olivia's living the dream, guys. Um, met a guy in lockdown well done olivia or maybe he's turkey lockdown ask jj for that come on olivia get there ask jj in early what's the difference between a round and a teardrop implant what relevance is it to moderate profile so there's two things with um uh, with implants there's the shape and the profile so the shape is round and teardrop and the profile is low moderate high extreme. so um the shape is um some people say that you don't need to do teardrop implants because all round implants get a bit teardroppy when you stand up because of gravity i don't i think there is a place for teardrop implants and teardrop implants are basically less full up here in the upper pole and in my experience teardrop implants are really good for people who've got no, nothing basically if you've got no breast tissue then teardrop implants are really good like in breast reconstruction, for instance, where you do a mastectomy, I pretty much always will use a teardrop implant because the whole shape of the breast is coming from the implant. So when the whole shape of the breast is coming from the implant, I think a teardrop implant is really good. When you've got a breast tissue, when you've got a, a, some breast tissue there, I think the shape of the implant is less important, to be quite honest with you, um, because you're just enhancing the breast that you've got. And, you, and often when you've got a bit of breast tissue, particularly you've got a bit of breast tissue sitting low, you want a bit of tissue in the upper and the lower pole. And so then a round implant can sort of come into its own. Also, a round implant doesn't have the risk of rotation. So for people with a bit of breast tissue, then you're moving, in my hands, more into a, a round implant. But if you do want a natural look with less fullness in the upper pole, a flatter look in the upper pole, then a teardrop implant is, um, is, is often the way to go. But as I say, if you've got a bit of breast tissue, particularly if it's sitting in the lower pole, then you can still get a natural look with a round implant which comes on to the moderate thing that you're asking about so the profile means how much they stick out so you can have low moderate high and extra high in teardrop and in round so it's a bit confusing so you can have different profiles in teardrop implants and different profiles in round implants um but that basically means they stick out so that's why when some people say oh a teardrop give you a natural round give you a fake look it's not strictly true because it depends on the profile because a low profile round implant is completely different to an extra high profile round implant although they're both on paper round in part, and it depends on the shape of the breast you've got before you start. So if you have got a bit of low fullness in the lower pole, or the breast a bit empty in the upper pole, 
then maybe a sort of moderate profile rounded part can balance it out and give you an actual look, which is why you need a consultation and an examination and a discussion. And it's very hard to give advice to people on sort of, you know, Q&A forums and stuff about what profile should I have or what size should I have. It's like, it's really hard to say without examining you, measuring you and talking about the pros and cons and what your breast shape is and what breast shape you're trying to achieve. But that's a good question. Jason says, thank you. Thank you, Jason. Um, got Dr. Katie Kay is in the house. Um, Dr. Katie Kay UK. Uh, why is no driving? I'm assuming UK, maybe not UK. Who knows? Why is no driving for two weeks advice post BA? Because uh, it's a bit uncomfortable, Dr. Katie Kay. And uh, first thing I always say in terms of driving is you've got to check with your insurance company because your insurance company might say whatever. It's got to be a certain period of time. But then they might say it's up to your doctor. I would say at least one week. Um, but it's hard to be too, uh, what's the word, sort of like across the board. Hard to say that everyone's going to be OK at a week, you know. And so some people might not be OK at a week. And so it's safer to say, I find, two weeks because most people are sort of okay at two weeks. A little bit more uncomfortable if it's under the muscle than if it's over the muscle. So it can recover a bit quicker, but you might be okay at a week. But then it's hard if you're sort of employed and you've got to tell your employer, and I say you might be okay at a week, so you take a week off work and then you go back to work, uh, then you have the surgery and then a week say, I'm not ready to go back to work, then your employer's gonna be really annoyed. So I'm to err on the side of caution, I would say two weeks, but you might be okay at a week. It depends on, how you feel and how you know everyone's different so a week to two weeks i would say but um it's not written in stone it's seeing how you feel we normally see you after a week and um and we can sort of discuss it then but if you are employed i would say two weeks is safer if you can to take off work um question hands up thank you um in general terms how long does it take for nipples and belly button to heal where do I start, Olivia? I mean, belly button's a difficult one because it's a circle and it's a it's a deep dark hole, so it can it can take a while. Nipple, I mean, nipples again is a circle, but it's not a deep dark hole. I mean, in general terms, wounds, skins normally heal in about four days. I would normally say about a week for for skin to be healed, best case scenario. But if you're having surgery like a tummy tuck, for instance, which I'm presuming if you're got if you're talking about belly buttons, that might be a tummy tuck. You know, that's often closed under tension. Um, there's often sort of, um, uh, you know, it's quite a lot of scarring to heal, so it can take two, three weeks, and sometimes it can take ages. You know, if you get wound healing problems, delayed wound healing, it can take weeks and months, to be quite honest with you, in terms of healing, but that would be the exception rather than the norm. The norm, I would say, is one to two weeks to get things healed would be the norm. Um, say I had a round implant under the muscle. You had a round implant under the muscle. Yeah, that would be fine, Olivia. You have your round implant under the muscle. Yeah, sounds reasonable. Um, what we got? Do I, uh, glands, we've done that one. After consultation, how soon can I have surgery? Minimum is two weeks. Uh, for, for, well, hold on, think about this, Jay. Can't take a step back. Depends on the procedure. Because we do offer C and treat. We do often see a treat for moles, cysts, minor procedures. So if you're having a mole or cyst or something that's done at the clinic, we have a see and treat um, service where you have it done on the day. I'm assuming this is for, in fact, I think it is for a bigger op, like uh, something that's done under the general anesthetic or local insulation at one of the hospitals. So there's a sort of two week cooling off period, you know, like the credit cards, um, just to make sure it's the right thing for you. And to be honest with you, probably wouldn't be able to get you in in two weeks anyway. So um, two weeks is a minimum. But the norm is a you know month, two, three months, or it can be even ages. You know, if you need time to think about things. Can you talk me through areola reduction surgery, please? Wow. Um, okay. Maybe that's okay. Well, we can talk. We can talk about it at the clinic definitely if you come for a surgery. But basically, areola reduction is you know your areola is too big, so you make a cut around the areola to make it the size you want, and then you make a cut around the outside of the native areola that you've got and then you take a donut of, of areola out so you take a donut of skin out and then you cinch the outside ring into the inside ring and uh one of the risks is recurrence so it can stretch again because it's tight when you sort of purstring it down so i use a permanent suture to take the tension off it um personally and it always looks all rucked up because you put your big circle into a small circle so it all looks all rucked up 
we've done under a low anesthetic, we do that at the clinic. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's our introduction for you. Uh, what's going on here? Um, Jacqueline, hi. Can you tell me if you've heard of Justin Chatterjee, Ross Hall, Glasgow? Can't advise me to ask you, thank you. Well, I feel bad now, I know. But that doesn't mean anything, Jacqueline. Because uh, the problem with me, Jacqueline, I, when I was training and when I was sort of first became a consultant, I pretty much knew everybody. As time goes on, the new trainees coming through and becoming consultants, I don't are now. So there are people who, there might be someone who was a trainee when I was, you know, when I was finishing my training. And then I, you know, you become a consultant, get in your own little world. You don't know. So I don't know him, but um, look for FRCS Plast. Uh, Ross Hall, Glasgow. Is that like a, if that's like a BMI or a, or a spy or like a big company, then he should be fully trained in whatever it is. Presumably plastic surgery, he's a plastic surgeon. But I'm afraid I haven't heard of him, I'm sorry to say. But, um, but yeah, just look for FRCS Plast after his name and look to see if he's a consultant in the NHS, is what I would, is what I would say. I said to the surgeon, I want 180cc modulated silicone. He said, can't do textured in Turkey. They are very perky and even out, but I do worry they are too porn starry. Uh, said the surgeon, I want 180cc moderate profile textured silicone. <clears throat> he said, they can't do Turkey. Is that right? They can't do textured in Turkey. Okay. They are very perky. Well, that's the one. You know the porn starry, if you like, or the um, the uh, the operated on look or the fake look, what have you, is the profile. I mean, moderate profile isn't normally associated with that sort of look. Moderate profile is a softer look in the upper pole, um, but again, it depends on your frame and the breast tissue you've got. If you haven't got much breast tissue, then if you're worried about that, then as I say, a teardrop might be a, an option. But if you have got some breast tissue, then a moderate profile does often give a softer look. Um, we've got some up here. Will a round implant under the muscle look natural? Well, as I say, it depends on the shape of the breast you've got, and it depends on the profile of the implant. As I say, a moderate profile is not, um, you know, as, as full as a high profile sort of thing, and it depends on the shape. That's why it really, Olivia, it's an examination measure, looking at different pictures of people who've got moderate profile around teardrop to get an idea of what sort of looks they can give. Um, but uh, yeah, oh God, got some ways to do. Get his book and it tells you how to search for a surgeon. Yes, absolutely. That's right. I should have said that, shouldn't I? God, Kim and family, I need someone. Who is that? Jacqueline. Jacqueline, get my book. It tells you how to search for a surgeon. Yeah, Jacqueline. You still there, Jacqueline? You still there? I should have said it at the time. You want to know about Ross Paul Glasgow? Get the book. For that, this is what publicity we need. Um, uh, can we talk you through that? We talked you through an area of reduction. Are saline implants the safer option? Yeah, this is a good question. Um, was it, this was a big, long question, wasn't it? Um, that's a tricky one. Um, we don't use much saline implants in the UK. Um, they're not very common at all. And the reason for that is that there is some potential for problems in terms of rippling, in terms of deflation. Um, they, so they don't sort of look and feel um, quite as good as a, as, a, as a silicone implant. The reason people want them is because if they do deflate, if they do rupture, if they do leak, it's just saline. So that's in a way safer. So that is safer because they are just saline. Um, but there's a balance with the terms of the result. So if they do give you ripples, or if they do deflate and need another operation, then they're not safer because you need another operation. And in a way, the safest thing you can do is not have surgery. So the balance between not having any surgery at all and say, well, I'm not happy with my breasts. Well, then you maybe have a safer operation, safer, but if they ripple or if they don't look good, then you might not have achieved the outcome that you wanted. And you think, well, what was the point of having surgery versus, you know, so, Safer, there are, yes, that they haven't got silicone gel in them. So if they rupture or they deflate, then it's less of a problem. But if they rupture or deflate, and if you'd had silicone implants which hadn't ruptured and deflate, you wouldn't have needed another operation. That makes sense. Pros and cons is what I'm trying to say. 
pros and cons. So um, if it was just a straightforward yes, that they are safer, we would all, uh, with all other things being equal, no one would use an unsafe thing. Everybody would use the safer op option. So you can't just say this one's safer because everyone would use it. So there's got to be something bad about it as well. And the bad thing about saline implants is, as I say, they do um, have an increased tendency to ripple, don't feel as good, and they uh, can deflate. So, uh, will an implant? Jack is back. I've looked at his profile in Ross Hall. All seems okay. But if it looks okay, go and meet the guy, give him a chance, have a chat. And uh, I think Ross Hall is a, probably a BMI type hospital, is it? And so I'm sure you'll be fine. I'm sure we'll look after you. Um, yeah. Um, Olivia, alas, in Turkey, you meet the surgeon 10 minutes before the surgery. Well, there you go. Well, at least you're meeting him, you know, more than 10 minutes before the surgery. And it was the same as Cyprus. Well, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Hello, I've done something stupid. I've used a home tattoo removal. Let tattoo removal. If I show you a picture, can you tell me if I've damaged myself? <laughs> by all means, yeah, by all means, you can send me a photo. But also, to be honest with you, you probably know yourself if you've damaged yourself, really. Um, by the sounds of it, you, it sounds like you probably have damaged yourself because you're asking the question. Um, but yeah, okay. Good. <laughs> um, yeah, by all means, yeah, you can uh, message me a photo and I'll, uh, I'll have a look. And um, I don't, uh, but full disclosure, Jay, I don't do uh, I don't do laser, um, but uh, I'm I'm very happy to uh, have a look and see um, the 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 damage I'm suspecting you were done. Yeah, you can send it on messenger. The damage I'm suspecting you were done is a burn, which is a problem with um, with with any of these things. A lot of people say, can I do stuff at home? Someone messaged me on YouTube today and said, can I? What did they say? Something about removing a mole or sort of non-surgical way of removing a mole or something. You know, there's lots of ways and there are things you can do at home to remove stuff, laser, um, uh, tattoos, skin, moles and stuff like that. But um, the problem with it, with the problem with these things is that they are, they're all destroying the skin. You've got to destroy the skin to get rid of the tattoo or the mole or whatever it is. You, you know, that, that's a given. You've got to do that. And whether you do that with a laser or a knife, or acid or scrubbing it or whatever, you're doing removing the skin. And the problem with doing it at home is you don't know the depth. It's much more difficult to monitor and, and, and have a get an idea of the depth. And if you go too superficial, it, it stays there. So that the ink of the tattoo stays there perhaps, or the mold is still there. If you go too deep, you get more scarring. So that is the problem with doing it at home. You can't monitor the depth as well. Uh, and for mole removal, you can't send the mole for histology, like I was saying earlier. But for tattoo removal, it is tempting to want to do it at home. And we do see people who tried home remedies and stuff at home. But the problem is, you know, either it's too superficial and they've still got the tattoo or it's too deep and they've got scars. So, yeah, one of those. But Jay, by all means, message messenger me and I'll get back to you. Um, Absolutely happy to do that. Done that one. So we'll move on that from that one. I want BBA surgery, but I have two fibroids. Can I still have the operation? Yes. Of course you can. What's that got to do with it? Fibroids. Yeah. I'm assuming you're talking about uterine fibroids. I don't know any other types of fibroids. But uh, yeah. Yeah, you can. Not sure if I've missed something there. Um, what salines are available privately? Oh, sorry, saline implants. <clears throat> I think any saline implants are available privately. In terms of implant availability, it's usually the hospitals, what the hospitals can get, and the hospitals will often have a sort of um, contract or what have you with the uh, with the companies. So as long as they've got a contract, and it, to be honest with you, if they haven't got a contract, we can usually approach the company directly and get the implants. So yeah, any any so. But as I say, very rare to use saline implants in this country, to be honest with you. Um, is it better to have an implant as a temporary measure to ensure the skin of the breast is kept after a mastectomy? Well, that's a big question. Um, that's a big question. And that is something which is uh, really surgeon experience specific. And um, 
that is a technique that's known as skin banking. And what happens when you have a mastectomy? Um, the only skin they really want to remove when they do a mastectomy is your nipple. That's all they really want to remove when they do a mastectomy. But obviously, if you don't have an immediate reconstruction, if you don't have a reconstruction at the same time, they're not going to leave that big hanging bag of skin behind. So they end up cutting out a skin and giving you a scar across your chest. Um, uh, if you then have a reconstruction, so that's one of the benefits of having an immediate reconstruction. If you have an, a re breast reconstruction at the same time as the mastectomy, known as an immediate reconstruction, then they can keep that skin envelope. And then when the reconstruction, you just fill the skin envelope. So that gives a much better cosmetic result because you're filling that skin envelope that's already there. Now, the reason, one of the reasons some people don't do uh, an immediate reconstruction, well, some people don't want a big operation, which is perfectly reasonable. But another reason that people don't want an immediate reconstruction is that um, they worry if you're going to have radiotherapy afterwards. If you can have radiotherapy afterwards, that's going to damage that reconstructed breast. So you could say, okay, we'll have a delayed reconstruction. Well, then you're removing that skin. All oh, right. So that what you can do is keep the skin envelope and use a sort of spacer, a temporary implant as a temporary measure in there to keep that skin envelope and then do um, your radiotherapy and have your treatment and then later on have a reconstruction. And it's called skin banking or keeping that skin there. So this is the technique that's being being asked about. And it is a technique. Um, I, I have done it. I haven't got a huge. I don't do breast reconstruction anymore, to be honest. Um, I usually tell people to do it in the NHS because, you know, the NHS does it well. Uh, but I used to do NH uh, breast reconstruction. That's in fact, that's all I used to do um, when I worked in the NHS. And um, it is a technique that I've used. I've got to be honest with you. I didn't rate it. I didn't rate it. And I didn't think it was that great to do the skin banking. And it would probably need a discussion with you as to what sort of reconstruction you're thinking of. So if you're thinking of an implant-based reconstruction, then probably would want to steer away from an implant. If you're thinking of your own tissue reconstruction, like an abdominal flap or a uh, flap from your back, then um, there is an argument to say do an immediate reconstruction and do radiotherapy to it, you know, rather than doing these delays. Um, I, I put, but you know, I, I haven't got a great experience of using these temporary measures um, uh, skin banking, but when I have done it, it's been a bit of a nuisance. You put this implant in, it never looks great. Then you do radiotherapy, and it looks even worse. And then you later on go and change it for your uh, reconstruction. Think I think I'd be better off just doing either an immediate or just a straightforward delayed reconstruction, and just do a standard mastectomy and then do a delayed reconstruction at some point afterwards, rather than having trying to bank that skin. That's my experience, um, and it's about talking to people and seeing what your surgeon says. But it's definitely an option. Um, it's an option. Uh, it's a bit like, you know, the saline implants. You can't really say it's a better or a worse option. Some people do it, some people don't. Pros and cons. Uh, pros and cons. Tabby Pacini, hi. How do I tell if my tummy is fat or my tummy? My BMI 27, thank you. Um, Well, it's always a combination, Tabitha, of fat and loose skin. The main question I would have if I'm thinking, are you a candidate for a tummy tuck, which is, I'm guessing is where you're going with this, is have you got enough loose skin? Because you would need enough loose skin to be a candidate for a tummy tuck. And if you haven't got enough loose skin, and if your skin is quite taut, and it is just fatty areas that maybe have not, you haven't contoured well when you've lost the weights of classically the hips and the flanks, um, then it would be more like liposuction you'd need rather than a tummy tuck. So how do I tell? Well, you can probably see. I mean, if, if you've got a big overhang of skin, then it's skin. I mean, there's a fat there as well. Or if it's a bulge on your hips or your flanks or your thighs, then it's fat. And it would be liposuction, so you treat them differently. So fat you remove by liposuction, skin you remove with a tummy tuck. But, um, yeah, I guess an examination is where it's coming at, Tabitha. But, as it, yeah, you usually know if you've got a lot of loose skin me um <clears throat> my would float in the bath bath emoji wow it's very weird mm. i have a huge overhang oh well it's skin then tabitha if you've got a huge overhang it's skin i mean there is fat there but it's skin there you go that's your bath. so it'd probably be a tummy tuck um is it easy to reconstruct at a later date if the skin is still there 
Is this a follow-up from the last one? Yeah, I think this is a follow-up from the skin banking question, is it? So um, reason for banking the skin of a, of a mastectomy, you would um, hope that the skin is, well, the skin would still be there. Um, but it's, the problem is it's not that easy to reconstruct with the skin there because you presumably had radiotherapy on it. That's why you're banking it. If you didn't have radiotherapy post-op, you wouldn't bank it. You just go straight to do the immediate reconstruction. So um, it's not that easy because you've got an implant there which has had radiotherapy and there's a lot of scar tissue. So that is the problem. It's not that easy. <laughs> um, but it, the reason for doing it is it's better than, well, people who do it would say it's better than doing a delayed reconstruction because at least you've got some skin there that you've managed to save. But in my view, I think there's something to be said uh, for at least considering maybe doing an immediate reconstruction. As I say, if it is going to be your own tissue, which is um, a bit more resistant to the radiotherapy, uh, do an immediate reconstruction with your own tissue and then have radiotherapy to it. Um, and then that just has one operation. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a difficult question. That needs a, oh my God. See what's going on here. Look at this. Wow, that's an essay. This is completely random for this life, but I've told all my girls, which are over Celie's got 39,000 girls, that this week I had news that Smear, although it was clear, my cervical, I think that is, biopsy, was not. I'm 38. I was called into East Surrey this week and had a hysteroscopy, I think that is, and the general, because they found C1, which I know is stage one cancer. I don't think it is cancer. Uh, I don't think C1 is stage one cancer. And C3, which is where they look to see if the cells spread to the vagina. This is something that can be avoided. I was 10 years overdue for my spirit. I really want you lady to know that it's so important. I'm sorry for hijacking your life, but you know me and you know my intentions are pure. Please girls, do not be put this, put this off. So basically the um, messages um, don't, don't go late on your smear message, no one. And also number two, I think you're saying I had news that smear was clear, and then they obviously there was something that made them do a cervical biopsy, probably because it's C1. I think C1 is the cytology that suggests it's abnormal, which might be why. So it might not be clear. Anyway, bottom line is don't be late with your smear tests and uh, be aware of cervical cancer. Uh, obviously, there was a high uh, profile um, uh, move with Jay Goody. Um, do we remember Jade? Um, what's her name? Wasn't it Jade Goody from um, uh, Big Brother, who died very young of cervical cancer? So um, there you go. Public service announcement, guys. Don't go late with your smear tests. Get out there and get your smear test done. Thank you, CD. We we like a bit of public service there. Public service announcements are very very welcome. Tabitha, okay, thank you, thank you. Uh, is there an update on allogam implants? Um, I don't think we're waiting for an update on allogam implants, Rebecca. They are, they've been taken off the market. Uh, they didn't renew their CE mark in the UK. And uh, so were they not, uh, that's the um, textured uh, allogam implants. I think they're using the smooth ones, but yes, allogam implants are not Certainly textured allogan implants are not available uh, in the UK. So uh, yeah, they, they're, they're gone, I think. That's it. Uh, it was, yes, good. So um, I can't hear this thing. I don't know what this thing is. Down there, I really don't, but um, it does having a skin graft reconstruction. So what, this is a funny question. What is this question? It does having a skin graft. I don't understand that question. I've never used skin graft to reconstruct the breast. The only time you use a skin graft is if it went wrong. If you did a mastectomy with a reconstruction and the reconstruction died, uh, that would be the only time I can think of to use a skin graft. So um, I'm not sure, unless it's about a skin flap, which is a flap of skin that's actually using to reconstruct, having a sort of breast reconstruction in general. So having a breast reconstruction in general, yes, it does increase the surgery time versus having a mastectomy on its own. But I think the word skin graft is probably not right there. I think that's not meant to be that. What means would be used to secure the implant when there is no breast tissue? 
you um well this is this is, i think this is still the brush reconstruction i think we're still on the breast reconstruction so if you're doing an immediate reconstruction so someone has had a mastectomy there's a skin envelope with a space there so the space is there so you don't need to secure the implant it's just in that space it's not the implants not secured you just put it in the space where the um where the breast was um you don't well you, you can use an implant on its own implant only reconstructions are pretty limited so you use some tissue with it so classically from the back to sort of cover the implant and give it a bit more padding if you like and so that tissue from the back would be shaped around the implant um if it's a delayed reconstruction so someone's had a mastectomy and then they come back years later to have the reconstruction well then you make the pocket you make a space just like you would make a space when you're doing a breast augmentation so you don't actually need to secure the implant you just make an appropriate space to put it in uh, Oh God, questions, questions, sorry, questions. What we've got, we've got a question on Instagram here. Hi Natty, I've had, I have the COVID vaccine. Would that help me get surgery done quicker? Oh, look at you, Natty's got the COVID vaccine. Oh, look at you, showing off. Natty, you better keep quiet there because you're going to get people knocking down your door. Um, no, no, we are doing surgery anyway, Natty, despite, covid situation so we are doing surgery but we're doing covid tests and stuff and we probably well we would still want to do a covid test uh you know a few days before and things like that so having the covid vaccine would have no effect on it no but as i say we are doing surgery anyway to people without the covid vaccine so um yeah so it would get you quicker but you know hopefully we'll be able to do it relatively soon anyway because it's fantastic we're doing surgery again because we've got a place we can do operations in which is fantastic Hi, I'm 11 days post-op and breast lift. Both breasts look very square with nipples at different heights. Is this normal due to swelling? Oh, there's a testimonial for you. Heather, I don't recognize your name, so I don't think you're my patient. So if you are my patient, come and see me. Uh, if you're not my patient, then I would go with what your surgeon says. Um, uh, it's always good, you know, 11 days post-op, very early days, just in general terms, it's very early days. So uh, you should... Um, you should stick close to the surgeon and the practice nurse and what have you um, about that. But uh, in general terms, yeah, go and see a surgeon, talk to them uh, about it. It depends on the technique used in terms of the squareness. Uh, and it depends on how badly the nipples are at different heights. But there's often asymmetries at 10 or 11 days. And I guess the, the, probably the important thing to say is um, you wouldn't do anything about it at 11 days unless one's significantly swollen and you've got a hematoma or something. But unless you've got a significant problem, you wouldn't do anything about it at 11 days. So what I normally say to people is, look, that's not your result. Um, you've got to wait at least really three months for things to start to settle. And it can take 6, 12, 18 months for it to properly settle. So around three months, we get an idea where we're going to be. So whilst I would say to people, I don't know if this is going to even up or get better, but I know they're going to change. I know they're going to be different in three months and hopefully they'll be different better. Um, so yeah, I would not be worried about it at 11, 11 days, Heather, I would give it a chance and it may well be due to swelling, but yeah, talk to your surgeon, stick, stick close to your surgeon is my advice on that one. No word in surgery, sorry, I'll have Birmingham though, no Natty, yes, so you're absolutely right, so we are doing surgery, but yeah, Birmingham and Solihull, lockdown, um, Birmingham, yeah, I mean both of them really, actually, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've said to us, they said to us ages ago in the new year, they'd be um, back to normal, they said. But, um, you know, it's not looking good, is it? It's pretty, pretty grim. I know the QE has cancelled elective surgery recently. So um, not not looking great for, for local surgery, uh, Natty, um, certainly at the Priory and the um, Parkway. Not looking great. No, that is an issue. Um, Rebecca, I have Allergan implants in trail for the past 10 years. Are they advising to get them removed uh, as they have took them off the market? Thanks. Yes, Rebecca, good question. And this came out when this happened. Now, just to be clear, they haven't taken them off the market. They were due to have their CE mark renewed and they chose not to get it renewed. So, you know, you, you might say it's semantics and things, but they weren't sort of said, oh, you've got to get them off. They just didn't renew their CE mark. The advice for people with allergan implants is not that you should get them removed. Like I've always said, there's pros and cons. And there's obviously cons with having surgery to remove it. You can get complications. So the advice is not to have 
them removed. There was, the, the, the worry is ALCL, which is a type of cancer associated with implants due to the texturing of the implants. It's due to all textured implants. Allergan implants did have quite a high rate of it, but it can happen with all textured implants. And um, so the advice is to look out for a lump or a swelling, which to be honest with you, whether or not you've got implants in, you should be looking for that anyway. You know, any woman should be looking for lumps or swellings in their breasts anyway. Um, but certainly, you know, with, uh, and to be honest with you, in terms of problems with your breast, breast cancer is a lot more common than ALCL. But nevertheless, if you've got implants in, ALCL is a, is a concern. It's a type of cancer that is associated with implants. It's very rare. Um, and so the advice is just look out for lumps or swellings. And obviously, if you have a lump or swelling, then you need to get it checked out. But if you don't have a lump or swelling, if you haven't got any symptoms, you don't need to have um, have your implants removed or anything like that. And as I say, they weren't taken off the market. They just didn't renew their CE mark. Um, and although they did have, you know, quite a high rate of ALCL, but a high rate of ALCL is still a very low rate of ALCL because it's an extremely rare cancer, if that makes sense. It's not like it's a common thing and it's nowhere near as common as breast cancer. So, you know, lumps, swellings in your breasts, we've all got to look out for because breast cancer is a much more, um, a much worse disease, much more common disease and much worse disease. Um, what means would be used to, oh, sorry. Hang on. <clears throat> what do I need to consider regarding any damage to my breast from the radiotherapy when looking at surgery options? We're still on the um, breast cancer patient, I think this is. What do I need to consider regarding any damage to my breast from the radiotherapy when looking at surgery options? Yeah, this is something really to talk to the you know, your, your reconstructive surgeon about. And really, um, the radiotherapy basically scars tissue. Um, and it doesn't scar tissue like a skin scar. It scars tissue deep. So it makes tissues woody, firm, unforgiving. Um, it's very good at damaging the, breast, the, the cancer cells, but it doesn't know... You know, it just can damages everything. You know, so um, it um, it does damage normal cells as well. So it causes scarring. It causes the tissues to tighten up and to to be tighter. And sometimes the radiotherapy breast people prefer because it sort of sits higher and it's hard to match that. But that's the sort of damage it causes. It can cause skin changes as well uh, in terms of redness and telangiectasia, little blood vessels and things in the skin. Um, and for that reason, because it can damage the skin in terms of that scarring, that's why some people will say, don't have an immediate reconstruction. If you need radiotherapy, have the mastectomy, have radiotherapy, and then have a reconstruction later. But uh, if you're having skin from your tummy or your back, there is an argument to say that have an immediate reconstruction because you'll get a better result because they'll save the skin. And then you could have radiotherapy to it, although that won't be as good as not having radiotherapy to it. It'll be better than doing a delayed reconstruction. And then you've got that skin banking in the middle, which is that tissue tissue expander spit that you were talking about. Um, again, probably needs a proper um, discussion and you know go over the options to see what's best for you. I left my compression bra off for an hour to wash, and it and my boobs are very achy since. Is this normal? Yeah, I'm assuming the surgery was not that long ago, Olivia. Um, saying that. But yeah, they, some, you know, so sometimes I'll say, you know, it's fine to take it off to wash and things, but it can be uncomfortable uh, if you leave it off. And certainly after four to six weeks, I say to people, you can stop wearing it at night. But again, if it hurts, if it swells, then put it back on again. And, and uh, you know, it just shows you that it is doing a good job. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's normal. As I require an operation due to breast cancer, okay, um, this, can this be combined with my NHS treatment? And would the NHS be responsible for any of the costs? Okay. So this patient, um, as I require, so what she's saying, I think what probably what you're saying is, is can I have, um, uh, can I have private, breast cancer treatment is it combined with nhs treatment with there's so no i think if you if you're going to have if you're going to have treatment for your breast cancer you can have it done on the nhs or you can have it done privately you can't sort of have some of it done privately and then the nhs will do their little bit you know you can't have the nhs surgeon come and do the mastectomy and then a private surgeon will do the reconstruction 
you have it all done on the NHS, um, or all done privately, really, it's difficult to dip into the both of them. Yeah, that's one of the problems. And certainly if you're not insured, private breast reconstruction can be very expensive, which is why I often say to people, look, the NHS does it. That's why I would go with the NHS, just because you don't have to worry about any costs and stuff if you need extra surgery and stuff. Um, Nadia, just make sure it's a Mac on brass, says Nadia. Right, so um, we've got a bit of public service there. Yeah, well, Mac, other, other, other mates are available. Um, but we use Macon bras, so yes, they are. Um, oh, this is talking to Olivia here. Yeah, Olivia, yeah, Macon make bras, Olivia. Um, so they do help with support. So um, that's Nadja over on Instagram making that comment there, uh, Nikki. And um, Olivia, and the fact that it's Nadja underscore Macon. I don't know if that tells you something about, uh, yeah, a bit of conflict of interest there. Nadia, you can work for the company maybe, yeah. But yeah, that's cool. Mac on good brass, good brass, yeah. Um, oh God, this thing keeps on flashing up. I don't see it. So Olivia's ten days post op, good, yeah. So good. I wonder if I should have done that all in one big uh, breast reconstruction question there. But hey ho, did it in bits. That was all right. Um, what? I say I'm out of questions, guys. I thought I had loads, but I think it was all one question made to look loads. So I don't know if I did that too quickly, uh, but it is what it is. It's done now. Can't go back. No regrets. Um, so hope that was uh, helpful and useful. And uh, if you have got a question, let me know. Looking forward to seeing Jay's damaged part of his body with the tattoo uh, removal. See, seeing if I can uh, help with that. It's all right, Nadia. You can, you're welcome to put it in there. You're, um, you're, that's your job. Supporting your brand, supporting your company. It's fine. Um, so, yeah, if you've got any questions or if you, well, not all, that's it. If you've got any questions <laughs> or suggestions for improvement, should I say? I don't know. Um, maybe not. Don't open yourself up. Um, oh, Jay sent it. Okay, Jay. Do you want to look at it now or should I, on oh, private message? Can I? A private message you. Um, so if you have any questions, then feel free to message me like what Jay just has just done. And I will be very happy to answer your questions. And uh, you're asking, well, I'll tell you when, seven o'clock next Tuesday, right here on Facebook Live, Instagram Live, and goodness knows where else we're going to put it. Thank you, Olivia. Good luck with the bra and the achiness and what have you. And I will be here uh, to serve and i'm looking forward to it already let me just finish this one right see you then peace stop the stream have a question not covered in today's show then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag ask jj we'd love to hear from you